so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast, where our goal is to help you think biblically about today's cultural issues. I'm Lindsay Nicolay, and on today's episode, we're going to talk about parenting matters related to gender and sexuality in schools. On our previous episode about gender and sexuality, we looked at the family and how parents can approach these important topics with their children. Today, we're turning our attention to an issue that has caused anxiety for some parents, gender and sexuality in schools, and how to direct our children as they are confronted with teaching and examples that contradict what the Bible says. As we discuss these important topics, you might have additional questions. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at erlcpodcast at erlc.com and let us know how you're processing this conversation. Joining us on today's episode is Shaka Mitchell. Shaka serves as a senior fellow for the American Federation for Children. He's also an elder at his local church. He has previously served as associate director of policy and planning at the DC-based Center for Education Reform and led outreach efforts at the Institute for Justice, a constitutional law firm based in Arlington, Virginia. He's an alumnus of Belmont University where he teaches as an adjunct faculty member. He earned his Juris Doctorate from the Wake Forest University School of Law. Shaka and his wife live in Nashville with their children and are active in several nonprofit organizations. One of the most unnerving times for some parents is when they send their children out of the home and off to school. Those who go to private, public, or some other combination are away from their moms and dads for a good part of the day and may encounter an array of worldviews and lifestyles, especially in matters related to gender and sexuality. Here's Shaka Mitchell with what parents should know as their kids go to school. I get asked the question a lot from friends about, hey, what should I be thinking about as my kids enter school or are maybe going from elementary to middle school or middle of high school, both because I work in the education space, but also because I'm a believer, I'm a pastor at our church, I'm also a parent. And so all those things kind of come into play as I think about what parents may want to consider as their kids are going through the school process. So a few things. First, parents have got to be engaged. You cannot stick your head in the sand and think that these problems are going to go away if you never talk about them. The reality is our kids are being influenced by their friends, by other adults, by things they see on television or their iPad or your phone or billboards. And so you can't abdicate your role as a parent. You are the first educator. And so you can't just drift along. The second thing I would say 
is that Christian parents need to know that there's going to be a time when they have a choice to make. That's just the reality of the cultural climate that we're in. There's probably going to come a point when you hear something that comes home from school with your student, your child, and you say, oh, am I comfortable with this? Or is this going to be the thing that causes me to maybe look at another school or reevaluate the friend group that my child is a part of? And these, by the way, are tips regardless of what type of school your child may be in. They might be in a public school. They might be in a, in a faith-based school. They might be homeschool in a co-op. I'd also say that parents need to recognize that schools are not churches. What I mean by that is that the vast majority of kids in the United States attend public school, which means that kids who are sitting next to one another in a classroom are sitting next to one another, not because their parents are in covenant with each other, not because their parents signed on to the same statement of faith. They sit next to one another because they had approximately the same zip code. That's it. And so you got to appreciate that we're sending kids most of the time for most people in the United States of America to a setting that is not a church. So you can't have those expectations. You just have to go in eyes wide open. And the last thing that I would say is that schools can be an opportunity to share your values with other families. So you can view it that way, just like you with the workplace, that you are going to have the opportunity to meet families that you can influence, that you can share the gospel with, that you can invite into your home for dinner. Appreciate that you're also subject to that same kind of opposite force proselytizing. But there is an opportunity there to be some salt and light in the world. Even as there are opportunities for our families to be witnesses in school settings, kids are being exposed to questions related to gender and sexuality at such early ages before they are even capable of comprehending such things. How would you encourage the parent who might be fearful or hesitant about having these discussions with their children, especially those who are younger, but also challenge moms and dads to be the primary teachers as their kids learn about gender and sexuality? I think Christian parents need to appreciate that every generation is dealing with its own manifestations of being in a broken, fallen world. Where we are in 2023 is that tends to come out in issues surrounding gender, sexuality. But if you went back 40 years, it would be something else. There's always conflict. So I, again, I think we can't avoid these things. Just this morning, I was bringing one of my daughters to school. She attends a faith-based school in Nashville. And we were having a conversation and I just asked her if she felt like some of her classmates are dealing with issues of their own gender and sexuality. And she said, oh yeah. And that was on the one hand surprising to me, right? Because you, you think, oh, well, I thought we had found a school that was gonna be this idyllic setting. And so you kind of have to meet our kids where they're at and they are hearing these things. So I think, again, we can't stick our heads in the sand. We've got to talk about the issues that they are going to encounter and then also follow that up by saying, hey, but here's what we believe about people being made in the image of God. Here's also what we believe about, about the gospel and what it means for our lives and, and what it means for a broken world. 
parents don't need to feel intimidated because they aren't experts on these issues, but Christians can do a few things and they're accessible to any Christian parent. Start with the Bible, start with Genesis and what it looks like to be made in God's image. Explain to your kids that all of their friends deserve to be treated with dignity, regardless of what they're struggling with. And parents are equipped to teach that. I think the other thing is pray for wisdom. Pray for wisdom to know in particular when a change is needed for your child, because that's something that we've got to do. And I do think we have to reevaluate that on a more frequent basis than maybe our parents did with us. When you just said, oh, here's a school that my kids are going to go to, and you just kind of check the box and then ride it out until they're 18 and it's a wrap. I think today's parents need to be prepared to reassess more frequently. Does this school setting work for my child this year? For this child, this year. One of the things that seems to be an inevitable reality that parents will encounter is that their children will know peers or have friends who struggle with issues of gender and sexuality. As we've learned in previous episodes, this is particularly true of girls at younger ages. Though the situations will all look different, what are a few things parents might do? When thinking about how Christians can parent their own children whose friends may be struggling with these issues of of gender dysphoria or sexuality or what have you. It's certainly going to vary by family. I think you've got to be really sensitive actually to the age of the child you're you're talking about. I've got a 13-year-old. I've got an 8-year-old. How I speak with them is really different. You can talk about the image of God to both of them, but in different ways and with different amounts of specificity. And so the first thing really is to pray for wisdom in this. I think the second thing, and maybe this should be the first, but is to stay tethered to the word. So keep pointing them back to the word. The year 2023 is not the first time in the history of humanity that people have been confused or struggled with elements in the culture. The Bible is full of conflict and still you know, the gospel can be shared and we know that truth perseveres and cuts through that. I think it's important for parents to acknowledge that sin exists, that brokenness is real, but I do think the time's probably going to come where parents have to draw some hard lines about, hey, it might be okay, for instance, it might be okay for your friends to have sleepovers, you know, at new friends' houses every weekend. But for us and our family, we make a different decision. Someone we don't want to miss in this conversation is the Christian educator. These men and women are on the front lines of much of what's happening in our culture regarding gender. Here's Shaka with advice for the Christian teacher who wants to respond in a God-honoring way to the child in their classroom who may be wrestling with their gender identity. Yeah, this is a really important question. And I think a lot of Christian teachers and teachers in general are longing for some guidance on what they're allowed to say and address in a classroom. The reality is most teachers are not trying to be social activists. They're trying to teach our kids how to read and write and, you know, function harmoniously like with their classmates. And I truly believe that. And that being said, we all bring our value system 
and beliefs into our workplace. And so teachers are no different. So, you know, for Christian teachers, I think that they, again, need to acknowledge the dignity and worth of every student because every one of their students are made in the image of God, right? So definitely I would counsel teachers like, do not set up a system where some students feel like they are second class because they are saying something or espousing something that you disagree with. You might disagree with it vehemently, but you show them dignity. I think that's really important. And that is a type of witness. I think you show the same kindness to a student who's struggling as to one who seems on the outside to be doing really well. I do think Christian teachers should look for other signs of distress. Children often don't know how to express what they're feeling, maybe what's going on at home. And so I think teachers should be looking for signs that, hey, maybe there is something at home that's amiss, right? Maybe things aren't great with mom or dad or with another student or with another adult in that student's life. So pay attention to that. I mean, we don't want to pry, but I think you should pay attention to it. The last thing I would say is I think that Christian teachers, all teachers, should frankly know some of the lines that they're not going to cross. I'm thinking a little bit about Matthew 10. Jesus says, if you follow me, persecution is coming. It is what it is. You should expect that if you follow Jesus, you're going to live in a way and act in a way that is counter to things in the world. That may never come to fruition in your workplace or in the classroom, but it might. And so you need to be willing to kind of know where you stand on certain things. Know, for instance, the language that you are and are not going to use. I know I'll be real specific here. I know that many teachers, I've had friends who've wondered, oh, what do I do around pronouns? This is a really confusing space, right? This is something that we didn't have to deal with even 10 years ago. Generally speaking, pronouns are just, I mean, there are other words, but if what you're asking me to say is something that runs counter to what I believe about human nature, now it's a much bigger issue. So you need to know what you think about that on the front end. And frankly, if you just want to use students' names, I think that's a great solution, dealing with some of these issues that seem like they're just about words, but we know are about a lot more. I think Christian teachers should also keep First Peter in mind, the part that says, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. That's a really dense and loaded passage, but that honor the emperor part often means, hey, when you're in the workplace, you got to do some things that your manager says you got to do. Now, if those things run counter to fear God, then the decision should be clear and you've got to fear God. But there may be some times when you can't reconcile those two easily and in a way that is pain-free. I think for many Christian teachers, where the rubber is going to meet the road will be in curriculum issues. If they are required to teach something that they feel is in direct conflict with their faith. Math teachers don't often have this issue. But if you are, say, teaching something in a physical sciences class that runs counter to what you believe the Bible teaches and a core tenet of Christianity, well, then you've got to side with Christianity. 
school districts are not churches. And so we should have no expectation that a public school district is going to adhere to your local church's statement of faith. And so when those two things are in conflict, your ultimate allegiance is with the kingdom, is not with the school district. And so I I would say that to teachers and to parents. As we wrestle with these issues and desire to seek the kingdom first and walk wisely in the world, we are not immune from struggles with gender and sexuality. We know the truth about our fallenness and sin and the forgiveness and redemption we find in Christ, but these topics often bring a certain amount of shame. So what can we remember that will give us the courage to bring hope to others out of the comfort we've received in the midst of our own brokenness? No subject is taboo for the Bible. I think that's important to know. The other thing I would say is thinking about like First John, thinking about kind of walking in the light and being in fellowship with one another. And so let's talk to folks that we are in fellowship and in covenant with about these struggles. And let's acknowledge that there are going to be Christian parents whose children are struggling with these issues. So let's not talk about, oh, it's always someone else's kids. It might be my kids. So we have to be willing to air these things and shine some light on them so that we can talk about them. Parents and the church have to address issues that are swirling around in secular culture because we are still in this world, even if we're not of it. And if we're going to talk about what Jesus has done for sin, well, you got to talk about sin. It's not easy for parents to navigate the ever-changing cultural landscape when it comes to gender and sexuality. The reality is that our children will come face to face with it at some point in time. As the key disciplers of our homes, let's appropriately address sin, constantly talk about the gospel, and give our children a better vision of these issues so that they might recognize lies when confronted with them. As we carefully send our kids out from our homes, whether to school, extracurricular activities, or even church youth groups, we can have confidence in the goodness of God, the power of His Word, His heart for the broken, and His care for our sons and daughters. Join us next time for another episode of the ERLC Podcast. The ERLC Podcast is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. It's produced by Jill Wagner, Lindsay Nicolay, and Elizabeth Bristow. Technical production is provided by Owens Productions. It's edited and mixed by Mark Owens. Thanks for listening, and we're looking forward to being back together with you next time.